The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. here at CNBC, and here is your top five at five. We begin with really a brutal week for big tech, and it's about to get even worse with nearly $800 billion in market value erased in a matter of days. And today, it is Amazon. Shares tanking after issuing weak outlook for its all-important holiday quarter. But then... We have Apple bucking the trend for mega cap tech after clearing a relatively low bar for its most recent quarter. Plus, it is official as Elon Musk tweets, the bird is free, taking his place at the C-suite in Twitter. And talk about overwhelming demand as yield-hungry investors rush to snap up some lucrative government bonds ahead of today's deadline. It's Friday, October the 28th, 2022, and you're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning and happy Friday. I'm Frank Collin in for Brian Sullivan. Let's just kick off your Friday morning with a check on U.S. stock futures with the S&P and the Nasdaq coming off back-to-back losing sessions. However, a very different story for the Dow. Up five sessions in a row for the first time since August. Some Dow components reporting their earnings yesterday, boosting that index yesterday. But this morning, as we can see, right across the board right now, um, the S&P and the Dow both fractionally lower. The Nasdaq, the hardest hit. Obviously, those big tech earnings, the disappointment there, impacting that index. Now we got to check the bond market, of course. And a bit of a surprise today, the 10-year note right now below 4%. We're seeing it right here. It's ticking right about 4% at 3.97, but still below. We'll have to see what that means for tech in general. Obviously, uh, that GDP report came in as a a bit of a surprise yesterday, showing uh, inflation easing just a bit, easing up on those bond yields as well. All right, looking at energy, of course. And right now we're seeing oil down this morning, but in general, WTI up about 5 bucks over the last month. Natural gas actually sliding in recent weeks, uh, milder than expected weather in Europe, possibly a factor there. And of course, cryptocurrency, we got to take a look. We're seeing Bitcoin, Ether, XRP, all of them down across the board this morning. Got to keep in mind, though, Ether over the since like about the middle of the month. Also, Bitcoin making a significant move to the upside still today. Uh, pretty deep in the red. We're seeing Bitcoin down almost two and a quarter percent. All right. Turning our attention to around the world. Red arrows in Asia overnight with the Hang Seng falling more than 3% to end a volatile week of trade there. This after the Bank of Japan left interest rates unchanged in its latest latest policy meeting, despite the country's currency trading at 32-year lows versus the U.S. dollar. Turning to Europe, trading just getting underway there, but still right across the board. We're seeing the DAX, the hardest hit. This is after some central banks hiked rates, also some disappointing earnings over there in Europe. All right, turning our attention to this morning's top story. Of course, it's all about mega cap tech. Shares of Amazon simply getting crushed. You see right here down about 13 percent this morning. The company looking to shed about more than 140 billion dollars in market value at the excuse me, mega cap tech overall, um, shedding about 140 billion dollars in market value after Amazon also posted weaker than expected earnings and revenue for the quarter and issuing some disappointing guidance for its holiday quarter. Then on the flip side, investors sparing Apple, despite reporting sales slowdowns in its key iPhone business, shares slightly higher in the pre-market, up just about 1% right now. Arjun Kapal joins us now from London. Arjun, Amazon's market cap actually set to trade below 
$1 trillion for the first time since basically the start of the pandemic, April of 2020. Absolutely, Frank. And it was a bit of a disappointing quarter for the company, but it was really that guidance that got uh, investors very worried. Amazon saying in the fourth quarter it's expecting revenue of between $140 billion and $148 billion, implying somewhere between 2 to 8% growth, which is their key holiday period as well. And that's really why investors were so worried. Cloud also disappointed. Yes, there was 27% growth in that very key profitable AWS division. But again, it was below expectations and perhaps we're starting to see here businesses pulling back on cloud spending and on some of that software spend, as we saw as well with Microsoft results. A couple of things happening here. Some of that pandemic boom we saw is starting to fade, but also the macro environment turning very worrisome, concerns about a recession and potential consumer spending as well. One bright spot, however, advertising $9.5 billion in revenue above uh, expectations, bucking the trend from what we saw from the likes of Alphabet and Meta when it comes to digital ad sales. Now, let me just move on to Apple. Reason why those shares are up, a best of a bad bunch, I'd say, in what has been a very rough week for tech. Yes, they beat on the top and bottom lines, but those iPhone sales missed expectations, 42.63 billion there. Services, this is supposed to be the division of recurring revenue where Apple can continue to milk its more than 1 billion iPhone users for revenue from all of its services. That was a miss, $19.19 billion in revenue, just 5% growth, a significant slowdown from the quarter before. Now, management doesn't really give official guidance, but it gave some hints towards what to expect in the fourth quarter. It's saying year-on-year revenue growth is likely to be less than what we've seen in the third quarter so far. Again, very concerning given the iPhone 14 is out, and this will be the biggest quarter so far for iPhone 14 sales, and it's the key holiday period, so that was concerning. They're expecting Mac sales to decline as well, and they said that services revenue will grow but it'll be hurt by the macro. So again, some worrisome signs out of Apple, but clearly, as I mentioned, best of a bad bunch in what has been a very rough week for tech, Frank. Uh, Arjun, I think you may even be understating how rough of a week this has been for tech. I really want to focus on Amazon just for a second. A lot of us are looking at that miss when it comes to AWS. How important do you think that miss is? Obviously, the, you know, that's that segment of Amazon's business still reported some pretty remarkable growth, more than 20 percent growth. Um, do you think investors need to be concerned about a significant slowdown for the hyperscaler? You hit the nail on the head there, Frank, right? It was pretty good growth, 27% growth in AWS. We saw Microsoft's cloud division up around 25%. These are not small growth numbers, but investor expectation is so high for these two bear moths when it comes to the cloud division as well. I think there is concern. There should be some concern about companies now potentially pulling back spending in this very difficult macro environment on uh, some of these cloud services. That's not to say that this trend of digitization and the move to the cloud is going away way anywhere. Of course, it's been pulled back perhaps a couple years, sorry, pulled forward a couple years because of the pandemic. And I think those that boom we saw during the, the sort of two years of the pandemic is starting, those comparisons are, st- are pretty difficult and we're starting to fade out a bit. And perhaps I think you'll see a bit of a cut on the spending, but certainly uh, companies being a bit more cautious. But the longer term trend, certainly towards digitization and towards uh, moving to the cloud isn't going anywhere. Yeah, recent trend, though, mega cap tech uh, being hit pretty hard, as we just saw right there. Amazon down 13 percent. I want to correct myself earlier. Amazon set to lose one hundred and forty billion dollars in market value. It's early origin, but you're on top of this story over there in Europe. Always great to see you, man. All right. Turning our attention to another top story this morning. Elon Musk officially setting the bird free. His words, not ours. Our Silvana Hanau is here with much more on this story. 
Silvana, a lot to talk about here. Good morning. Oh, absolutely. Good morning, Frank, and happy Friday. It's official. Twitter is now owned by Elon Musk, with sources telling CNBC the long-anticipated sale has finally closed. Now, among the first order of business by Musk is the firing of CEO Parag Agarwal, Finance Chief Ned Siegel and Head of Legal Policy Vijaya Gaddy. Musk is reportedly expected to assume the role of interim CEO, though he may appoint someone else in the long term. And to mark the occasion, Musk sent out a single tweet reading, the bird is free. But it's not just the ousting of the old guard. There are also reports Musk intends to do away with permanent bans on users, meaning people previously booted from the site will be allowed to return, a category of users that would include former President Donald Trump. Now, it's unclear, however, if Trump would be allowed back on the on the platform in the near term. And Frank, according to Bloomberg, Musk is also asking engineers from Tesla to meet with product leaders at Twitter to share the company's code and assess the next steps. And Twitter shares will be suspended from trading on the New York Stock Exchange today before being delisted next week. All right. A lot to watch there. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, Elon Musk walking in the building with a kitchen sink. I don't even know what that meant. I, I don't either. <laughs> I think a lot of us were a little confused by that. Savannah, maybe we'll figure it out today. Thank <laughs> you. Right. We'll see you later on the show. All right, turning our attention back to the broader markets, the major averages wrapping up a volatile week of trading, especially for mega cap tech. Between Alphabet, Meta, Microsoft, and Amazon this morning, investors looking at roughly $800 billion in market value wiped out in one single week. Joining me now, Chantico Global CEO and CNBC contributor Gina Sanchez. Gina, great to have you here on a morning like this one. Well, thank you, but it's been a pretty depressing morning so far. (laughs) Uh, especially if you're investing in mega cap tech. So I think the question that anybody that manages a portfolio or is a personal financial advisor, this is the question you're going to get today. Is this a buying opportunity or do we need to seriously worry about the future of these mega cap tech stocks? Well, look, I think that there's two answers to that question. The first is, um, what are the valuations that are going to survive the normalization of rates? Because what we know is that the Fed is going to continue to keep raising rates um, until they feel... In our view, they've all, their, their rate hikes have already bitten into the economy, but they may, may still continue to go higher. And that is just going to kill valuation for a lot of these tech stocks that were highly overvalued. So on the valuation side, I wouldn't be looking uh, to, uh, to ever return to where we were when we were at zero interest rates. On the flip side, there are still some long-term enduring stories that are still real. You know, you, you talked a bit about AWS and the miss, um, but remember that 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 story is enduring and it is going to continue to drive the economy um, for the next decade or two decades. And so that story still remains. The question is, what is it valued? So I think that there are some buying opportunities here, but you're going to have to go back to valuation school and figure out what fair value is. All right. So we talked about Amazon, some disappointment in AWS. However, um, this may actually be a bottom when it comes to this logistics business. Obviously, there's a global slowdown. A lot of people bought things. A lot of demand's been pulled forward. But logistics business generally seen as being pretty strong. Let's talk about another business that's pretty strong, Apple. Especially when we talk about Mac revenue, much better than expected. iPhone revenue, you know, it missed, but it was still pretty close to what are some pretty lofty expectations. What do you make of this report from, uh, from Apple? 
Well, so I think that the, the report out of Apple is just showing the, is just revealing the weakness that you're hearing in other companies as well, that there is some spending weakness that's hitting. And if you look at sort of how the consumer was spending going into, um, you know, the, the latest numbers, uh, they developed a lot of uh, savings during the pandemic, and then they spent down those savings. They started building up their credit card balances. And now we're starting to see lower and lower spending as people are starting to feel the pain of, of what interest rates are doing to their credit card debt levels. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all getting concerned about that. Um, when it comes to Apple, there was about, mm-hmm. I believe, a week, eight days of iPhone 14 sales in this quarter. Um, what do you think is going to happen in this, obviously, the holiday quarter? Generally, a lot of people buy mobile phones. They gift mobile phones. Do you think the next quarter we're going to see a big jump uh, in iPhone 14 demand? Well, I think that that Apple sales right now are being, you know, overshadowed by the broad pullback in spending. And I think the spending data today is going to be interesting to watch. Um, and the expectations going into the holiday spending season are not very good right now. That came out of Amazon. So you have to think that Apple is going to suffer from that as well. Um, will they be able to recoup it later? It's hard to say. You know, you're actually seeing quite a bit of you're seeing fewer job openings. You're seeing a real hit to sort of the American uh, spending uh, capability. So Apple will have to experience that to some degree. I'm not sure you're going to get it back in another quarter. Yeah, something to certainly watch. Gina Sanchez, great to have you here. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks for being here on Worldwide Exchange. All right, when we come back, why a rough quarter and outlook for Amazon is not dissuading my next guest from owning the stock right now. Plus, big tech's pain could be big oil's gain. Some of the biggest companies in the space, they get set to report. And later, a demand supply disconnect of a different sort as the government rushes to fill orders for high-yielding I-bonds ahead of tonight's deadline. A lot of people trying to get them. A very busy hour is still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Chevron and ExxonMobil set to report third quarter earnings before the bell today. Analysts raising the bar for EPS and revenue after both companies crushed their estimates last quarter. This is the rally in energy continues. Exxon and names like ConocoPhillips, Marathon, Petroleum, and ConocoPhillips uh, 66 all trading at record highs. For more on what to expect, let's bring in Janine Y, North America oil and gas production analyst at Barclays. Janine, good morning. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having Barclays, Frank. So I, I think the real question here is uh, Exxon last quarter reported the highest quarterly profit of any oil company in history, almost $18 billion. Are we expecting to see similar results this time around? Well, we're still expecting some strong results here. Um, We're about in line with consensus on EPS. We have about a 5% cash flow beat for Exxon relative to consensus, but, you know, oil is down $15 quarter over quarter, and that's going to go through, that's going to flow through the numbers. Excuse me. 
No, no need to excuse yourself. It's, it's early. I'm making some mistakes here myself. We're all just trying to wake up. Um, what we're waking up to are, you know, oil prices that have just ticked slightly higher since those OPEC production cuts. Um, part of that, a lot of people are saying milder than expected weather over in Europe. We're also seeing natural gas actually decline over recent weeks. Is that trend going to continue? Is it simply dependent on the weather overseas? Well, we are in the shoulder season right now for natural gas demand. So you're going to see some volatility there and some softness. Um, in Europe, when we look at the gas supply demand situation there, they're pretty much what they need to be on storage uh, for the beginning part of winter. And that's because Europe just really filled storage at any cost in preparation. And we are seeing LNG tankers, for example, sitting offshore ready to, ready to be unloaded. Um, but kind of like you alluded to, it's really a call on weather at this point, probably through January. Really? So it's, it is very weather dependent. All right. So looking forward, a lot of people are saying energy is the place you want to be. That's the sector we've seen a lot of growth in in recent weeks. Do you still continue to invest in energy with all the gains that those stocks have made? Do you believe it's sustainable and still a, a, a constructive investment and a good return going forward? Yeah, we think it's still a sector you can invest in, despite the fact that energy is up over 60% and the market is down 20% this year. Um, we remain constructive for primarily two reasons. The first is that we still have a very positive view on crude prices. We think Brent is going to average about $100 this year and about $98 next year. And the second reason is valuation doesn't really reflect where oil prices are. So on average for upstream on our coverage list, our stocks are only pricing in about 67 on WTI, which is still a, a pretty large 20% discount from the forward strip. So we think there's still a lot of value in the sector. All right, Janine, the big question here. Can you give us your picks? What are your top picks right now on the oil and uh, energy sector overall? So our top pick is ConocoPhillips. Uh, we think ConocoPhillips is a big liquid name, which a lot of investors are looking for right now, given volatility in the market and volatility in crude prices. Um, it's one of those unicorn names that we think can walk the fine line between having torqued the upside with oil beta because the company philosophically is completely unhedged, as well as they have a lot of oil exposure uh, directly as well as indirectly through their LNG uh, operations that are linked to Brent on pricing. Balance sheet is a Forster's balance sheet. We think cash returns are very strong at average to above average for this year and next year. And uh, management is very strong. We think cash returns are going to continue to be very strong next year at 55% of CFO. And they'll still probably end the year on strip at nine and a half billion of cash. So, you know, it's checking all the boxes there. Um, and on a valuation perspective, it's still trading where we think that there's meaningful upside. All right, ConocoPhillips trading at all-time highs. Janine Y., we really appreciate you being here. Thanks for waking up with us. Great picks. Great to see you. Thanks, Frank. All right, still on deck here on Worldwide Exchange, bucking the big tech beatdown. One social media stock that's actually higher ahead of the open, the name revealed when Worldwide Exchange returns. Check out the mystery chart. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture-proof of delivery, package-less and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 
And welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your big money movers. We begin with shares of Intel up more than 4.5%. This after the company said it will deliver up to $10 billion in cost savings and efficiency improvements through 2025. The chipmaker also reporting its latest quarterly results, beating top and bottom line estimates. CEO Pat Gelsinger says the company is planning for economic uncertainty to persist into 2023. Now for your mystery chart. It is dun, 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 Pinterest. Shares up more than 7.5% after top and bottom line beats for its most recent quarter. Sales up 8% from a year ago. However, global active monthly users flat year over year. Company also says operating expenses should grow just about 35% this year. And shares of Gilead Sciences edging higher after a third quarter beat. You can see right now up 3.5%. The company also issuing upbeat earnings and total product sales guidance. That stock up more than 19% since August. All right, let's get a check on this morning's other headlines. NBC's Frances Rivera. She's in New York with the very latest. Happy Friday, Frances. Hi, Frank. Good morning to you. Let's start with breaking news this morning. Hawaii officials are warning residents that the world's largest active volcano is showing rumblings that it could erupt. Scientists say there has been a recent spike in earthquakes at Mauna Loa's summit. The last time it erupted was in 1984. Experts say it would just take a few hours for lava to reach homes on the Hawaii's big island. If you're unlucky, the record Powerball prize is right around the corner. $800 million are now up for grabs at tomorrow's 11 p.m. Eastern drawing, or you can play for the nearly $384 million cash payout. The jackpot skyrocketed following 36 consecutive drawings where the grand prize went unclaimed. If a lucky player wins Saturday's purse, it'll be the second largest pool in Powerball history and the fifth largest for any U.S. lottery. After both teams got a few days off, the World Series is finally set to start. Justin Verlander takes the mound for the Astros, who are back in the Fall Classic for the fourth time in six seasons. He'll be in a pitcher's duel with Aaron Nola, bringing the Phillies into the series for the first time since 2009. First pitch is just after 8 p.m. Eastern tonight for Minute Maid Park in Houston. And for the first time since 1950, no American-born black players are expected in the lineups of either World Series. Astros manager Dusty Baker told reporters the league needs to do something to set an example for young black baseball fans, though he's hopeful in the future of baseball and its representation. Hopefully that comes into play. Frank, we send it back to you on a Friday. All right. Thanks a lot, Francis. You know, I am hopeful for more black players in the game. I'm also hopeful that my Phillies win the World Series. I'm not going to say the Houston Astros are cheaters, but I'm just going to root for the Phillies. Francis, great to see you. All right. Straight ahead here on Worldwide Exchange. Big tech stocks taking an even bigger tumble this week. We will ask if now is the time to jump in. That's coming up next. And if you haven't already, follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple, Spotify, or other podcast apps. And Worldwide Exchange, we'll be right back. And welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Amazon capping off what's been a brutal week for big tech as that stock gets set to shed more than $140 billion of value at the open. It is official. Elon Musk takes the reins at Twitter, reportedly forcing the old guard out the front door. And business may be front and center on the midterm ballot, but Main Street would argue otherwise. It is Friday, October the 28th, 2022, and you are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Welcome back and happy Friday. I'm Frank Holland in for Brian Sullivan. Let's, it's right around 5.30 a.m. here in the New York City area. And futures right now, well, they are in the red across the board. We can see the Nasdaq is the hardest hit. 
being hit by those big tech earnings. We also want to pay attention to the bond market. We are seeing some upside movement in the bond market this morning. Right now, the 10-year yield ticking just above 4%, right now just at 4%. This morning, it was just a few basis points below. Apparently, investors are taking another look at that GDP report that led bond yields to decline just a bit yesterday. Let's also hit oil. we got to remember oil prices are on the move over the last month, both WTI and Brent crude, about five bucks higher than they were just a month ago. But down this morning, WTI down more than 1%. All right, let's get a check on the overnight action in Asia and the early trade in Europe. Our Jamana Bersetti is standing by in our London newsroom with much more. Good morning, Jamana. Morning, Frank. Well, the selling is continuing in Asia overnight. You can see behind me all of the bourses from this market are trading in the red. What a week for the Chinese indices. Shanghai Composite today down two and a quarter of a percentage point. The Hang Seng today down 3.7, bringing its total losses to the week to around eight percentage points. Its worst week since February 2018. A lot of the Internet stocks and property stocks got hit. And this after the Chinese Congress ended on Sunday. Nikkei in Japan is also down about nine-tenths of a percentage point. We had the Bank of Japan meeting overnight. No change in rates, also sticking with their dovish outlook. The reaction is quite negative in stock space, but still above the 27,000 level, which is quite significant there. As for European markets, well, we're digesting that ECB rate hike, another 75 basis point rate hike out of the central bank yesterday, indication that more rate hikes are to come. The reaction pretty negative today. We've had a bunch of macro data as well, worth pointing out that the German GDP print for the second quarter, third quarter, came in at a positive number, up 0.3 percentage points quarter on quarter versus expectations of a negative one. So a bit of a positive surprise prize there. Cacarant in France also down about half a percentage point there. We had higher than expected inflation numbers. And then over in the UK, also the index is down about half a percentage point. Some of the uh, basic resources names, the likes of Glencore, dragging down the index. But let me turn your attention to two names in particular we're focused on today in Europe. The first is Volkswagen. You can see the car maker is down 2.8 percentage points. This despite the fact that the company confirmed its full-year outlook, even as the third quarter revenue took a hit from the cost of Porsche's IPO and suspending its activities in Russia. The company still says that it expects recovery in China and the easing of semiconductor supply issues to boost sales. That being said, the reaction is pretty negative today. And another stock we've been following very closely the last couple of days, Credit Suisse shares are actually today near the top of the stock 600, recouping some of the losses from yesterday after it closed down 18 percentage points. Now, as a reminder, the Swiss lender announced a massive strategic overhaul and posted a quarterly loss that was significantly worse than expected. The new CEO, Ulrich Kirner, told CNBC that the overhaul presented one of the biggest transformations uh, for the bank into a new Credit Suisse. So the reaction is somewhat more positive than it was yesterday. But of course, yesterday was a major down day, Frank. Yeah, definitely a major down day. Big turnaround for Credit Suisse this morning. Jumana, always great to see you. Thank you. All right, let's get to some of this morning's top corporate stories. Our Silvana Hanau is back with those. Silvana, good morning again. Good morning again to you, Frank. Well, the Treasury Department says it's not planning to extend the deadline for I-bond sales at the current 9.6% rate, despite record demand and website problems. In a statement, the Treasury says extending the current rate past November 1st, when it's expected to fall to about 6.5%, would threaten the operational integrity of the system. Sales of Treasury Series 1 savings bonds that are tied to inflation have surged ahead of tonight's deadline flooding the Treasury Direct website with record traffic. Investors have until 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time tonight to place their orders and receive confirmation. 
Federal prosecutors and regulators are reportedly investigating whether Tesla misled consumers about and investors about its advanced driver assistance system known as Autopilot. Now, according to Reuters, the Justice Department and SEC are looking at statements that Tesla and its executives made about the technology with regards to its function and safety. Autopilot is among the most well-known advanced driver assistance systems and now comes standard on all new Teslas. And more than 300 groups, including the National Retail Federation, are urging President Biden's involvement to help avoid potential rail strikes that could put the U.S. economy at a standstill. Now, this comes after a second union yesterday voted against ratifying a tentative agreement reached in September. Previously, six of 12 unions representing 115,000 rail workers from Union Pacific, BNSF, CSX and Norfolk Southern and and more voted to approve the deal. But all 12 need to sign off for ratification, Frank. Yeah, very serious situation when it comes to the rails. Uh, But I want to go back to your first story, Silvana. Um, Just the rush for I-bonds. Normally it's sneakers, concert tickets, things like that. Right. I don't know what it says about the world that we're all rushing and crashing the Treasury website the Treasury to get website. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't know either what, what people are thinking these days. But like you said, who knows what the world is coming to, right? Sign of the time. Savannah yep. now. thank you again. You got it. All right, turning our attention back to this morning's top story. Amazon and Apple finishing off a big week of earnings for mega cap tech. Let's start with Amazon. The e-commerce giant posting weaker than expected earnings and revenue for the third quarter and issuing disappointing fourth quarter sales guidance. Amazon saying it could just break even in the fourth quarter during the key holiday season. The company also reporting a slowdown in cloud growth and Amazon Web Services. Wall Street not taking that news lightly. The stock sinking in extended trading. It is now down double digits, down 13.5%. Joining me now to discuss Nancy Tangler, CEO and CIO of Laffer Tangler Investments, and Ivan Feinseth, CIO and Director of Research at Tigris Financial Partners. Great to have you both here this morning. It's good to be here, Frank. All right. Ivan, don't worry about it. Don't even say good morning. We're just going to jump right into it. Sorry. Thank you. (laughs) Don't worry about it, man. It's Um, it's great to be on with Nancy and to talk about these two very important companies. Yeah. I mean, you're you're understanding how important these companies really are when it comes to mega cap tech and the markets. I'm going to ask you both the same question to start off. Nancy, you first. Is this a buying opportunity or or should investors be a little concerned about the growth of these companies long term? So, Frank, you know, (laughs) That is the question, and uh, I've been thinking about it much of the night, um, anticipating my wake-up call this morning. Um, I I think this, um, if you went back to 2008, 2009, I I just happened to remember two purchases I made. One was Starbucks, and the other one was Disney. And if you bought either one of those companies then, uh, Disney at like $18 a share and Starbucks at $4.50, it it felt like a really dumb thing to do, but you would be up uh, in line with the market about 450% for Starbucks, and I'm sorry, for Disney, and up 2,200% for Starbucks. Now, there's a very long time horizon, but what great companies go through cyclical problems like this, and I do actually think that Amazon's problems are cyclical. This is not meta. They're taking costs out of the system a little slower than they anticipated. Uh, consumer growth is, uh, you know, is, is a cyclical problem with the recession. I think the question is the cloud. We heard weakness from Microsoft, and now we're hearing weakness from 
uh, Amazon, I think the question is, is that just management's tightening up like I'm doing at Laffer Tangler, or is it uh, is it a, a crack in the cloud story? I think it's the former. I think you can buy, but there's no hurry because they're not going to be able to improve productivity in the fourth quarter. The company's usually pretty stressed during Q4. So I, I, I think um, you, you have time, but it is probably uh, an opportunity that you won't only, will only get in a stock like this once every 10, 20 years. Ivan, same question. Buying opportunity or if you're a long-term investor, should you be a bit concerned this morning? I absolutely agree 100% with what Nancy just said. You want to buy good companies when they have a difficult time. And history proves that out. And history is on the side of the bulls. So I think that Amazon, first of all, I, I disagree, though, in the slowing in the cloud. You may have a pullback because companies are, are a little cautious as we're going to a, you know, an environment where we may see a significant economic slowdown, co companies are pulling back on hiring, but this ongoing mig migration to the cloud has a long way to go. And what the, even what the cloud is today is gonna be, if in the future, very different and offer much more high power connectivity and processing and the constant integration of artificial intelligence and machine learning to maximize companies' data and information has a long runway. And Amazon AWS is going to still be a major part of that. So I think there may be some caution in IT spending, which is causing this near-term weakness that, you know, Looks to be some concern for the cloud, but I think, again, we will see a shift when the economy starts to pick up back to this ongoing transition to, uh, you know, the uh, hosted and hybrid and uh, all types of cloud infrastructure that enables companies to, uh, it, it really is the competitive okay. edge. IT is a company's competitive edge. All right. So one question I think all, a lot of investors are asking right now. Are we making too much of uh, Amazon Web Services missing estimates or not enough of, of Apple missing on iPhone revenue estimates and also services estimates? And really, we often talk about Apple becoming more of a services company. Ivan, you first. Um, yes, I think that they're making too much of Amazon missing. And uh, I think that Apple's quarter was incredible. I mean, it was really a slight miss on iPhone revenue and services revenue. And um, most of the iPhone miss had to do with the fact that the iPhone 14 just came online at you know the, within the last week of the last quarter. Um, so they really didn't get the full impact of the demand. And also the fact that they've been, you know, had a tough time, as most companies are, getting components and ramping up production. So the demand seems to be there. And then that slowness in, or the, um, Delay in iPhone 14 sales also has some delay in people turning on or upgrading services. But Apple just announced a uh, services price increase of anywhere from $1 for some of the basic services to 2 to $3 a month. And when you multiply that out from the new all-time high of a 900 million user base, that's uh, 20 to $25 billion in additional revenue that will play, okay. you know, start, they will start to receive over the Got next 12 months. So, so I, I think that the Apple story is definitely intact and that really, really wasn't a miss. All right. So Nancy, same question for you. Ivan doesn't seem to think the services revenue miss. Almost a billion dollars is a big deal. Um, but we're talking a lot about the Amazon web services miss. Which one do you think is more of a story? Apple's misses when it comes to iPhones and services or the AWS miss? Well, I, I, I think it's the AWS miss, and I and I actually do agree with with everything that Ivan has said related to the cloud. We saw ServiceNow's uh, 
earnings come in really strong uh, as a cloud provider. They, they have a different function on the cloud. But I, I do think this is a blip. I do think this is companies being cautious. Of course, we're going to see a slowdown. I mean, there was a time when Azure was growing at 90%. So, um, you know, this is law of big numbers. I mean, if you're getting a 30% growth rate in a major portion of your business, I think that's super important. And I also think that Amazon is somewhat analogous to Apple when we were accumulating our shares initially in 2013. Uh, you've got a leadership change, so the leadership's being tested. Uh, you have a company that uh, need, really needed to cut costs, and I think they've, they've demonstrated that, Amazon that is. And with Apple, I, I think it's important to, to point out what Ivan did point out, which is it's really a supply constraint story as it relates to the iPhone rather than demand. And services sort of follows that growth. So we had said in, in the 2013, 14, 15 period that, you know, when people were saying Apple was just a handset company, we were saying it was all about services. I, I think, you know, it's, it's inevitable to see some slowdown, but the margins in that portion of the business are huge. And the ecosystem is is very important, I think, and should not be underestimated. And if you go, if you sort of analyze that against Amazon, I think Amazon Prime is going to surprise investors as as we move forward. I mean, even I was watching Thursday Night Football last night <laughs> on, on Amazon Prime. So I, I think there's a lot of opportunity. It's just a recalibration. And just don't be in a hurry. Be disciplined. If you have a three to five to 10 year time horizon, these are times when you should be picking away at these stocks. Yeah, you know, I wanted to stay up, Nancy. I just couldn't do it. You see, you stayed, had a, a bit of a late night. That's why you needed that wake-up call. Um, we'll have I to watch. Afraid to go to sleep. Yeah, we'll have to. <laughs> we'll have to watch and see how we uh, the what we used to call the Fang trade continues after these earnings. Something to watch. Nancy Tangler and Ivan Feinstein. Thank you so much for both being here. Have a great day. Thank you. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, from changes in tax policy to minimum wage, the outcome of the midterm elections could have a big impact on the nation's small business owners. So why do so many of them feel forgotten on the campaign trail this year? We're going to head to Washington for, for answers. That's coming up next. But first, as we head to break, check out the futures. Right across the board, the NASDAQ continues to be the hardest hit after mega cap tech earnings overall disappointed. Uh, you see the, the Dow Jones also looking like it could open up about 100 points higher after a win streak. Stay tuned. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. We're now just 10 days away from the midterm election, and as candidates storm the campaign trail looking for every last vote, a growing number of small business owners say they feel a bit forgotten. Our Alon Moy joins us now with that story. Good morning, Alon. Always great to see you. Yeah, good morning, Frank. You're right. Small business owners are warning that they feel ignored this campaign season, and they're making a final push to get their priorities heard. In an open memo to candidates across the country this week, they wrote, small business issues are a rare bipartisan source of common ground, and added, owners expect clear policy proposals and solutions. Well, the letter was led by Goldman Sachs Small Business Initiative, which boasts 13,000 graduates like Tristan Wright of Lost Boy Cider in Virginia. The cost of the apples he uses have gone up 61 percent over the past year, and he's already had to raise his prices twice. Inflation is probably the scariest thing that we deal with. We've maxed out the ability to push those prices any higher, um, and so that's somewhat alarming. Um, our margins continue to um, get squeezed and pinched internally. 
Now, nationally, owners are seeking to modernize and reauthorize the Small Business Administration and get considered for more federal contracts, access capital, invest in the workforce, and improve child care. Goldman Sachs says 86 percent of small business owners plan to vote in the midterms. So, Frank, they want to know that their voice really is being heard. Yeah, Alon, I mean, a lot of concerns is midterm election, a lot of different interest here. But the real question is, why aren't politicians paying more attention to small business owners? Yeah, I think on one hand, it's understandable because the issues that small business owners are worried about, you heard it from Tristan right at Lost Boys, inflation, supply chain, health care costs, he also told me about. Those are things that are universal across the country. But I think there's also a bigger issue here of the increasing polarization in our politics. So much of the discourse and the debate that we've heard this campaign season has been around some real hot button controversial issues. And so I think the message from small business owners here is, hey, some of the policies and the priorities that they have actually are things that could bring Republicans and Democrats together, things that could actually pass in a divided Congress. And so I think that's why they're saying that both uh, people who want to run for office and people who are already in office should be listening more closely. All right, Alain Moy in Washington. Great stuff as always. Great to see you, Alain. Have a great weekend. All right, on deck, Elon Musk making some big changes on his first day as the owner of Twitter, and the heads are rolling. Worldwide exchange. This guy's got a kitchen sink. Still don't get it. We'll be right back. And welcome back. Time now for your executive recap. Three stories that you may have missed this morning. We begin with Twitter. It's now owned by Elon Musk, with sources telling CNBC the long-anticipated sale has finally closed. Among the first order of business by Musk is the firing of three key executives, including CEO Parag Agarwal. To mark the occasion, Musk sending out a single tweet reading, the bird is free. A rare, a rare social stock stand, standout, it's hard to say, a tongue twister there. Pinterest, though, pretty easy to say, shares surging after a top and bottom line beat for its most recent quarter. Sales up 8% from a year ago. However, global active monthly users flat year over year. The company also saying operating expenses should grow about 35% this year. And T-Mobile shares are jumping in the pre-market, trading on uh, the reported the strongest jump in subscriber numbers since its merger with Sprint back in 2020. All right, a busy day ahead for Wall Street as we close out another week of earnings. First, a slew of economic data coming your way. September personal income, September consumer spending, and September core PCE prices, all of them due out at 8.30 a.m. Eastern. Also, October consumer sentiment and September pending home sales at 10. We'll get earnings also from Chevron and ExxonMobil this morning. Exxon last quarter had the highest profits for an oil company ever, ever, ever. And talk about timing. Today marks one year since Facebook renamed itself Meta Platforms. And a rough year it's been, with the stock down nearly 70% since then, losing more than $606 billion in market value, and Mark Zuckerberg's net worth falling from $118 billion to a mere, I'm using air quotes you can't see, a mere $37 billion. All right, futures right now in the red across the board. Joining us now is Lizzie Evans, managing partner at Evans May Wealth. And as we look today at the markets, we got to ask how big of an impact mega cap tech is going to have. Right now, the Dow actually... Off of its lows of earlier this morning, it's like it could open up about 40 points lower. Just a short time ago, we saw it, look like, it looking like it could open up about 100 points lower. And that's the setup for you, Lizzie. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you being here. Good morning, Frank. Thank you for having me. All right. So, Lizzie, we, we don't know. I uh, can't get the words out this morning. I'm a little tired. We know you don't have a crystal <laughs> ball, but where are we going from here? After mega cap tech really disappointed, we're seeing some changes in leadership, healthcare, energy as well. Where does the market go from here? Could we see an end of the year rally? 
Yeah, thank you, Frank. There's not um, not a whole lot of good good things we can say this week about about tech. But you know, if you think about where the S and P 500 is trading at, we're at 17 and a half times earnings. S and P equal weight is at 14.8 times forward earnings. Mega cap tech or tech in general is at 22. So I think that there we're going to see additional compression in in uh, mega cap tech. I think it's still too early to rotate into mega cap tech. Could we see a year-end rally? Absolutely. But I think it'll be just that. I think it'll just be a rally. All right. So, I mean, if we could see a year-end rally, you think it's probable, at least, if not definite. Where would that leadership come from? We're not seeing great results from mega cap tech. And I also want to ask you, is this the time to get into mega cap tech? Do you believe this is a very unique buying opportunity? I think it's too early. You know, I think that um, I think that we're going to see additional compression multiples. I think that you, we're seeing signs that the market wants to rally, but we're somewhere straddled between Fed speak and higher interest rates. So, you know, I think if um, I think the market could rally on, uh, you know, if we see 50 basis points in December, which I think is unlikely, that could lead the market to rally. If we see a rally, I think it could be somewhere between the five and 15 percent range. Interestingly, if you look at two other prolonged bear markets, the great financial crisis and the tech bubble during that period of time there were more than four 10-plus bear market rallies on the way to the bottom. So I think you've got to be selective. Frank, you and I have talked about high quality. We think that um, it is so important to focus on high quality, which we believe is a strong free cash flow. But um, you need to be selective. I think energy and healthcare will do well. I think it's too early for big mega cap. All right. Just a short time ago, we had our Alan Moy talking about the midterm elections. A lot of divisive issues on the ballot are just being talked about in this election. How do you see that potentially impacting just 10 days away, impacting the markets? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's a question we're hearing from a lot of our clients and investors. Frankly, um, the, mid, the midterm elections don't have a dramatic impact on the market. The market likes certainty. So I think we will see a bit of a rally after midterm elections. The market would love um, a gridlock. But you know, overall, I think that the market will revert back to Fed and interest rates and um, the midterm elections generally is just somewhat of a, a blip on the on the overall market uh, to come. All right. So and a lot of people are interested in I bonds today, but we also want to always look at equities as well. Can you give us your stock picks and what's obviously a very volatile environment? Yeah, thank you. I, 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 like I said, I do. I like healthcare. I like energy. Um, specifically with regards to healthcare, take a look at Cigna. You know, Cigna we like for three key reasons. Number one, it's trading at a meaningful discount to its peers. Um, it flies under the radar of United Health. It's at a 45% discount to United Health, 36% discount to Humana. There's room for the for for growth in both margins and revenue, and they're very shareholder friendly. They are returning capital to shareholders. They've had seven billion in stock buybacks this year. They just announced they're increasing their dividends, so you're going to see 12% year over year dividend growth. It's up 36% year to date, and I think that there's room to run there. Yeah, also hit an all-time high. Um, just in general, it seems like the healthcare sector is where a lot of investors are going to for safety. For example, Universal Health hit an all-time high, uh, high or not an all-time high, actually, highest uh, daily move earlier this week on Wednesday since the start of the pandemic. Shares of that stock up 25% week-to-date already. Um, in general, do you think that that's one of the safer places to go, healthcare and the healthcare sector? And if so, are there different segments? Because obviously we have, we have uh, you know, telehealth, we have hospital operators, a lot of different parts of healthcare. 
Yeah, I think I think in every sector, you need to be selective about the companies that you're buying. So you need to look for those that have strong balance sheets, healthy free cash flow, that dividend is going to really help cushion the volatility. But I do think, you know, we had the same conversation about energy two months, two months ago, and, and look where energy is today. So yep. I think that um, th- there's still room to run, but you, you need to know what you own and why you own it. All right, we'll have to watch that. Lizzie Evans, thank you for being here. We're going to have to leave the conversation there. And that does it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. Squawk Box, coming up next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.